one. Pretty seven land, microwave until your salad starts exploding, or not. Have a nice day. FM, CJSW.com. Into the mood of Stampede here in Calgary. And that usually means it's concert calendar time. Talking about Terminus Festival. A time for Sled Island. Right here at the Calgary Folk Music Festival. Uh, Calgary Blues Fest. Over at Studio Bell. Check her out. Locked. CJSW90.NFM. You are listening to The Circuit, a weekly program dedicated to the events and festivals that were set to happen in and around our vibrant community. It's a celebration of the past and things to come for Calgary's music scene. Thank you to the Rosé Foundation and Calgary Arts Development for their support on this special initiative.
CJSW 90.9 FM. You are tuned into the circuit. This is Liam, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jess. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. How are you guys doing? How are you doing? I'm doing great, and good. hopefully all you listeners are doing good, and too. Uh, That's a rhetorical question. We, we do want to know how you're doing. You can let us know. 432-203991. Uh, the circuit, as always, is our Thursday morning installment. Uh, this summer, we've been dedicating this program to highlighting festivals and events in the Calgary area that uh, are still happening or maybe happening in a different um, iteration. And uh, of course, last week we did the whole coverage with the Calgary Blues Fest the week before Folk Fest. And uh, we're keeping that trend going. We're going to start uh, this one split down the middle, uh, if you will, kicking off this first half of the show with some coverage of the Expo Latino, which is a festival held in Princess Island Park every August. Have you ever been there? Yes, I went last year and it's yeah. so much fun. I was talking with Taylor who was just on before his fourth line crying uh empanadas are like my strongest memory from expo (laughs) latino because there's so much uh good food of course it's some of the best food in in the world right yeah um all over the world really but the um food trucks are money in the bank and our favorite my personal favorite is empanada queen they're very good yeah they pull up to a lot of different events in calgary but that one is kind of like my first taste of it and i was like holy Yes. Yeah. The dance <laughs> competitions are really good too. I love seeing mm-hmm. the people that you know they've put so much time and energy into getting their routine down and it's just like a range of ages. So yeah, you don't really get to see that anywhere. Like it the experiences in Princess Island. Park. Yeah, it's well it's actually Western Canada's biggest Latin festival Mm -hmm. and gathering really so it's grown over the years it's kind of this would would have been its 24th year um of doing this and putting this on um next year they're coming back even bigger for a 25th anniversary fingers crossed um we did chat with mariela Pera. she's the president of expo latino and as well as the artistic director we spoke with her and her co-worker daniela so stay tuned for that later in the program we'll be queuing that up and uh, we'll be speaking with uh, Ken. He's on with Global Fest. So that'd be the, kind of the second half of the show. We'll push that aside for now because we do want to focus this first 25-ish minutes on uh, Expo Latino. And we kicked off that set with uh, one of the greatest Latin jazz performers uh, of all time, Tito Puente. And that was his track, Uyo Como Ya. And um, obviously a legend in his own right. Grew up in New York, the Spanish uh, side of Harlem. Uh, but he is of Puerto Rican descent, and that's uh, one of my favorite Latin jazz. I actually listen to a, a lot of Latin jazz, <laughs> and Tito is one of my number ones. He's top five. Yeah, I don't, so this is going to be a great <laughs> chance for me uh, to learn more about Latin music, and that's kind of the goal with this program. So thank you, Liam. For yeah, but I do know that you are a fan of Lido Pimienta. I am. That is accurate. Yes, and we have some Lido plan in the set, right? Yeah, I think we're just going to play it right, right now. now. Yeah. Awesome. We can give you a little context, though, because she uh, she's won a Polaris Prize before she got the 2017 prize of fifty thousand dollars for her um her project oh no la Peresa. i think that's right yes yeah i have it in notes but my phone's locked <laughs> and I've, my my face doesn't even recognize my phone anymore or vice versa because of the mask thing so i just like assume i can't ever get into my phone at a moment's notice but that is yeah it's la Peresa. uh and now she's nominated this year Yes, for so, Miss Columbia. Miss Columbia, which we'll get into that right now. So this is the track, Quiero Que Me Salves, and it's off of uh, that very album. You're tuned into The Circuit on CJSW 90.9. 
nuestro pasado y ya llegó la oportunidad para Daniela, 
please just introduce yourselves and give us a bit of a, a background summary of what your role is with the Expo Latino Festival. Okay. Well, I'm the president of the organization since uh, 2017. The Hispanic Art Society is a non-for-profit uh, organization and has been running for 33 years. Um, this year, we are going to celebrate the 24th anniversary of the Expo Latino, and we are preparing for next year. It's going to be big. I'm Daniela. I'm here with Mariella, and I work with mostly the communications and design aspects of the festival. And uh, the festival, Expo Latino, is our main event. It is Western Canada's largest Latin festival. And yeah, like Mariella said, this year we couldn't uh, do it, obviously, because of the pandemic. So we're looking for new solutions as we move into like an online thing. So that's great yeah obviously everything is going to be a little bit different this year for everyone running any type of event or festival but we'll circle back to to that in a second i just want to give a bit of a background on the festival so it's it's coming up on 25 years i think uh you said you're celebrating this year is the 24th so next year when you do it big that'll be the quarter century um when did you guys both start getting involved with the festival i know you said you'd been the president since 2017 but obviously involved in different capacities before that how has it grown uh, or evolved in your your tenures there? Well, we um, I remember that day, my first Espolatino in 2017. Uh, we brought an international artist, and I couldn't believe my eyes that the Princess Island Park was packed. Um, I remember the former president. And she was almost crying, saying, this is the first time that I see so many people in the park. So it was a big success. Um, and actually, we have been introducing new things. Like, for example, um, now we are having like a Canada's Latin American visual artist. We have an exhibition last year. And also, we have um, Latin American pavilions. We started introducing the pavilion last year as well. And we want to have more art in the park. Yeah. Um, and, and art is obviously a, a generic and broad term in that sense because there's different uh, expressions in, uh, through its music, dance, uh, visual art. For those who haven't gotten a chance to experience Expo Latino, give a little insight on what you can uh, expect if you go and attend. So Expo Latino is a three-day festival that occurs in August every year. And like Mariela said, it's at Princess Island Park. So when you go there, you are going to see a lot of tents with different vendors, uh, food vendors, artisans, um, artists. And there are live performances happening throughout the whole event. We also have uh, folk bands. We got international artists as well as local artists who showcase dance, um, music, and yeah, there's a lot of, what else uh, do you have to say, Mariela? Well, the, the most important thing is that we want people to leave the experience, like they go to any Latin American country. Mm-hmm. So the cuisine, the, not only the food, the, the music, the dance, you know, like a free spirit. People, you know, can be dancing, can be with the whole family because it's a family event. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and the most important is that we usually offer, like the, the first day is free for everybody. Um, usually it's a Friday. Um, the following days, usually the first two hours is also free. So if people go to the park and they stay until the end, they can enjoy the shows of international artists as well. You're listening to The Circuit on CJSW 90.9 FM. We're chatting with Mariela Pera, the president and artistic director with Expo Latino and her coworker, Daniela. Um, like nearly every festival in the calendar year of uh, 2020, this iteration is especially different. Um, what was the recourse like for Expo Latino and how have you transitioned into this new virtual format? Um, we are preparing something really, really special this year. Um, we are going to start filming uh, Latin local bands and dancers um, this August. Usually we have the festival, as you said, in, in August. But for the first time, we are going to have the live, do the live streaming in September, mid-September. So August is going to be busy for us, filming a lot of um, talent, and hopefully we are going to have uh, a beautiful video to share with everybody in September. Mm, there you go. Um, on top of that, are you going to be doing anything for the three days that kind of would have taken place, or are you kind of putting all the, the resources into uh, this video that you're going to release later in, in the month, later in the year, I guess, in September, like you mentioned? Yes, it's going to be a two-hour video okay. for each day of the festival. We are going to keep the, the three days festival, uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And actually, um, also, we are we are going to showcase um, international artists as well. Okay, and where can that be found? Where is that going to be able to be found? At CS Space, King Edward, CS Space Theater. Okay. Um and the video is going to be streamed uh, through YouTube and our platform, um, the website, and also uh, Facebook. There, okay, that makes sense. Perfect. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the art community in Calgary. So it's uh, sometimes something that gets overlooked, and this is kind of in general. There's a bit of an underground art scene through music and, and visual galleries and um, ethnic art artists and artisans um, such as those attending Latina festivals, how can Calgarians offset some of that fragility, especially this year? Oh, the, the first thing is that um, we are going to have new things and we expect Calgarians to come and support us just by attending, just by um, looking at different things that we can offer not just the dance, as I said before, not just the dance, the music, the visual art, the the food. Also is the experience. I I would like Calgarians just to come, um, talk to someone even if they don't know that person. Because uh, if there is something that we are, um, we, we, we take seriously is, is the inclusion and diversity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want people to come, especially um, this year with the pandemic, like everybody is isolated 
uh, right now. I don't know how it's going to be next year. I don't know how people are going to be slowly going out because we live in know when you go out, you see a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure that anyone that has an event probably has the same question. Are people are going to come out of their houses? Are they going to attend these uh, big events? We don't know. So a way to support us is to follow us in our platforms is uh, to be more involved. We we have a really good platform for volunteers. So if uh, people want to blend or to know more about the Latin culture, volunteering with us is a good way to start. And how can they get involved in that aspect? Well, on the website, we have a if an online form that they can fill up um, and they can join us. In the planning, they can be at the park, they can be in the office. We have uh, uh, different ways uh, that a lot of people can volunteer with us. Um, we, Our office is at McHugh House, in, is in the Bedline area. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you are familiar, it's on Center Street, um, 17 Avenue. Yeah, the whole gang at CJSW is very, very familiar with McHugh House. I know, I know. Yeah, you guys are really big supporters of us. Um, yes, uh, that's, that's the way to start. Just call us. Um, um, we have plenty, plenty of opportunities to, to uh, collaborate with us. Perfect. That is uh, a really good way to wrap this up. I want to say thank you, Mariela, to um, coming on the show here, shedding a little insight on the Expo Latino Festival. Oh, we very much look forward to uh, this year's iteration, the video coming in September, and of course, the 25th installment next year. And thank you as well, Daniela. Thank you so much. It was nice talking with you. Thanks, Liam, for having us. All right. Well, thanks again. Uh, we'll talk soon. And um, stay safe out there. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. Thank Bye-bye. you.
down the high society. Into the circuit on CJSW 90.9 FM. Uh, right now, I listen to Allo Allo Marciano. That's Alice, uh, Alice Regina. She's a amazing jazz pop Brazilian uh, superstar, really, and that's her tracks from 1985. Uh, briefly before that, we actually were in a bit of a dialogue there with Marila Pera and uh, Daniela with Expo Latino. If you caught that interview that took place yesterday, but uh, we threw it on air today just because we're highlighting Expo Latino, the first half of the show. And of course, now we're transitioning into the second half of our show, and we got a bit of a different direction. Hey, Jess? Yeah, so we have on the line um, Ken with Global Fest, uh, which is a fireworks, um, I guess you could say, like presentation that happens in uh, Elliston Park. It's a competition of sorts. They also have the One World Festival. Mm-hmm. So instead of us talking about it, we wanted to sit down with Ken, uh, I guess, on the line, on the phone, kind of sit down in a way, and chat about Global Fest. So how are you doing, Ken? I'm well, and yourself, Jess? Great. Uh, so do you just want to introduce yourself to the listeners and just describe your role with the festival? Sure. My name is Ken Goosen. I am the producer and chief financial officer of Global Fest. I've been involved with the organization um, as a volunteer for many years early on when we were just dreaming about the event and then uh, was uh, officially hired in in 2007 when I came back and uh, have been uh, working with this organization for a very, very long time. Wow. So um, I guess for some people who have never been, what is the festival like? Because I feel like there's many um, things to experience with Global Fest. There are many things. Just as far as going back to the very beginning, we were inspired back in 1993 by the Vancouver Symphony of Fire and the Benson and Hedges Symphony of Fire competitions that were happening all over uh, the country and the Sherbrooke Les Grands Faux du Canada, which was another pyramusical competition. And so we were inspired. We were participating in some of these through another fireworks company, and we're going, why can't we do anything like this in Calgary? And so 10 years later, Elliston Park uh, surfaced in 2000 with the Birthplace Forest, and all of a sudden we had a park with a lake. And uh, that was the beginning of how it all came together. So Global Fest, for most people... They know of the the fireworks, the pyromusical artistry, the international designers that we bring in every year from around the world who show their artistic creativity through music and and fireworks. And that's all of the fireworks shows, all the pyromusical fireworks shows that we do are all very much that way. They are choreographed and designed very specifically to soundtracks. And so we started off as a fireworks festival. When you come to Elliston Park, 
You also now have the One World Festival, which you alluded to, which is our diversity festival. That's bringing in all of the cultural associations throughout Calgary, all of the very different ethnocultural groups. And they typically have pavilions where they're showcasing who their community is, they're showcasing the art, the, the crafts, the, the fashions, and music, things of that nature of their culture and what they're doing within the community. And then we also have performance stages where they have groups that are performing. And then there's, there's ethnic food, there are food trucks, there's a children's area, there's all kinds of activity that happens for hours and hours in advance of the Trico Homes International Fireworks Festival, which is the grand finale of every night. And typically it's a 22 to 25-minute uh, symphony uh, of music and, and fireworks over the lake and in the lake. But uh, that's all changed for this year. With, with COVID, we're still not sure. We're working very closely with Alberta Health Services and with the City of Calgary to hopefully come up with a model that will work for this year. But a lot of that activity that I just talked about won't be happening. Like everything else, COVID has impacted us in a very significant way. And uh, if there is an opportunity for Global Fest to go forward, it will be, we're taking all of our One World programming and we're putting that all digitally. So we're working on a mini doc series where we've taken a lot of our programming and creating some streaming channels through, uh, through our Global Fest website and through uh, YouTube and various other areas to, so people can actually stream and get a lot of the programming that would normally happen. And we're actually launching a lot of that in September with um, the province's uh, Culture Days scenario for where for the month of September there's all kinds of cultural activity that's happening. So when people, if Global Fest happens, it'll just be the fireworks with some food and some, uh, some beer gardens, but it'll be a really limited uh, opportunity reduced capacity rather than having twenty two and a half thousand people on site will be down to five thousand right. and uh, so that's our hope and but that's global fest at Elliston Park and there's a lot of stuff that we do that a lot of people don't know about outside of Elliston Park thirteen years ago we started a human rights forum and that was uh, an offshoot of the City of Calgary launching and signing into the Coalition of Municipalities Against Racism and Discrimination. And, you know, interestingly enough, this year we're seeing that just bubbling up in a very significant way with Black Lives Matter and all kinds of other initiatives that are going on. A couple of years uh, ago, we were really focusing in on the uh, the murdered and missing Indigenous women and girls and the, the various outcomes of uh, the work that was going on nationally for the Indigenous community. So we've been working in the human rights area for years with the Human Rights Forum, bringing in speakers and bringing in audiences to talk about practical solutions and what we can do to change. And so we're encouraged, and we will be doing that again this year. And in October, we'll be focusing in on some amazing programming. Once again, it'll all be streamed. Rather than people being live, we'll be doing it digitally. And... uh, so that's sort of, in a nutshell, a lot of what we do. We also are in schools and after schools. We had with literacy urban arts programs, uh, working with kids in various components, and but also using a lot of urban art activity to, to engage youth and find their place in community. That's incredible. So um, I guess what I want to speak to is because I always assume that maybe there would be a possibility that the festival could be done live just because it is this outside experience, but it really does bring a huge 
swarm of people from all over Calgary who want to get a spot and come in families and groups. So I think that's really awesome that you guys are kind of switching over into a digital platform as part of a decision that may have been um, to come to. But as far as the planning process, um, what is it like to plan a festival of this magnitude? Typically, in a normal year, uh, every festival takes us about 18 months to plan. And uh, that's because we're, we're dealing with designers from all over the world, trying to figure out why, what we're doing as far as the international side, and then looking at other, other programs and seeing what we can do to fine-tune. And um, so, because typically we will use the, the finale night of the, the, the previous, or the, the festival that's coming up, to announce the teams that are going to be brought in for the next year's festival. And we actually launch our ticket sales at that point. And this year, that's all different. Uh, our plans for this year are, if we can go forward, the teams that were supposed to be participating, we'll ju- they'll just be doing designs for this year, and we'll be reinviting them for next year. And uh, then, you know, all the other programming continues to go on in and around that. And uh, But, you know, one of the messages we want to get out to our audiences, because we sold prior to COVID, we sold 25,000 tickets to this year's festival already in advance. And so, and we're getting a lot of calls and, uh, from people saying, what's going on? And so we hope that by the 14th of August, we will have a decision through Alberta Health Services and the City of Calgary as to whether our modified plans that are all COVID-oriented will go forward. If that's not possible, then we're asking all of our, all of our supporters to stick with us. We'll transfer all of those tickets and passes into the 2021 festival, and uh, then we'll be making some announcements. But August the 14th is a big day for us. It's, uh, it's a go one way or it's a go another, and uh, they're both brought with a lot of activity because if we can go this year, we will be going in September into October, where we would end our finale nights would be right over the Thanksgiving long weekend, so, uh, which would be a lot colder. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but that's that's sort of where we are. But uh, yeah, now as a normal process, eighteen months is what we use to plan out, and sometimes we're even three or four years if we see that there are big celebrations that are coming, like Canada One Five Zero, when it was mm-hmm. uh, through. You know, that was years of preparation in order to to change it up to meet that. Ken, uh, my name is Liam. Thanks for coming on the show. Um, just to kind of dial back and go through the planning process, how did uh, the Stampede Committee's decision to go forward with their fireworks on a nightly basis change how you may have uh, perceived a way you can go about your own business this year? And I guess on top of that, cancellations of other festivals uh, that may have happened a little bit sooner. I think uh, the Celebration of Light in Vancouver is in July. They went ahead and said they can't do it. They don't have enough time. You have a little bit of time on your side, like you said, the 14th. But um, the Stampede going ahead with, with fireworks as an exclusively an outdoor visual component, is there something you can do with your own setup where you limit it to just the, the visual? The, the the challenge for us, I mean, we were certainly encouraged with uh, the, the fact that AHS gave the Stampede approval for their event to take place. And uh, through the grace of their supporters, they were able to find funding in order to pay for that. And whereas for us, we're still very much driven by ticket revenues. And so 
the difference between what we what we're planning and what Stampede did is Stampede allowed the city to enjoy their fireworks from wherever they were, whether they were in their own yards, whether they were in parks, whether they were gathering on Scotsman Hill or any of these other other areas. And so they, they allowed the city to sort of do their own sort of gather and watch. And we're going, well no, we can't we have to do it very differently. And so if we can do it at Elliston Park, we would have the park painted out in all kinds of circles and everybody would be in their pod. And it's not a free roaming space that when you come in, you come in, you're sitting, you're watching, you're being directed in, you're being directed out. It's a very different experience, but we were encouraged that uh, there was opportunity for that, as well as encouraged that the zoo has been able to have an exemption to the, the rules, and Heritage Park has been able to have an exemption, as well as Callaway Park. And But all of these organizations went through massive changes in order to, to make it happen, and we're looking at that the same way. We're looking to pivot as much as possible wherever there are concerns to make sure that we are able to put something together that would be safe, that would give Calgarians and visitors to Calgary, because we're a global event. Like the Stampede, we have people who come from all over the world to come to Global Fest to Calgary just to see our fireworks and diversity festival. And, you know, a 100 communities from around the province where people come into Calgary to, to take this in. And we're hoping that we can provide a solution and an opportunity for the community to gather, but once again in a really safe space so that there is no risk. If it happens, people would have to be masked. And if you can't mask, then join us next year. And so, you know, but we will, we will appreciate and understand the answer one way or another as to how it goes, because at the end of the day, safety is first. Safety for my fireworks crew, safety for our volunteers, but safety for the audiences. And uh, if uh, the plans don't really support that, then, you know, we, we, will, we will defer and, and go forward next year. I hope that answers that question. Yeah, totally. Definitely. I really admire that. And um, thank you for the work. I know it's not easy navigating uh, these times. And I think Global Fest, not only just for the beautiful experience of the fireworks, but as you said, the diversity festival, many people look forward to like the citizenship ceremonies. Oh, absolutely. It's, That's a huge, yeah. so many people who are missing that this year. You know, they're just not be able to, being able to celebrate in that. And that's what Global Fest is. It's a celebration of diversity. You know, it's bringing the community together, regardless of how old or young you are, what gender, what your ethnicity is, what your faith is. And, uh, you know, it's the great equalizer. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for talking with us today. Is I guess I also want to just end off on is like where can people find information as far as um, how the festival is going to be progressing this year and being a part of those uh, that digital content that you guys are working on. Um, where should they keep tuned to? They should absolutely be checking into our website at www.globalfest.ca, and then they can also be checking us at uh, Global Fest YYC, whether it's through Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. We're going to be working all the social media channels and all the web channels and uh, just making sure that the moment those, that information is available, that it is out there so that people can, can join in and enjoy all of that activity and celebrate what is Global Fest even in a very different realm. That's amazing. Thanks again for coming on, Ken. We really appreciate it. Thank you both very much for all of your support, and uh, we look forward to seeing what will happen. We all, as well. Yeah, we'll stand by. <laughs> Take Thanks. care. Bye now.
can with Global Fest. Really well spoken and uh, informative as uh, you kind of get an update there of what it's going to look like or at least when you can know what it'll look like. Yeah, and I'm I'm really happy that Ken got to speak with us because, again, like I think we all think about the fireworks and how great it is, but there's so much community building that they are doing with the little facets of their organization. So we appreciate Global Fest. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's also a thing where you don't, really notice or maybe aren't aware of some of the the scope of the things that they're doing outside of lighting you know gunpowder and um putting on a show so uh the fact that they're around the city with you know multiple multiple initiatives um and for him to come on and explain that thoroughly really meaningful so thanks again to ken um you're tuned into the circuit on CJSW 90.9 FM. If you kind of have anything to say about what you heard uh, Ken speak to, as well as Mariella and Daniela earlier in the show, um, your experiences at Global Fest, your experiences at Expo Latino, um, if you're just lonely, whatever, 403-220-3991. That's the line that will be on for another 15 minutes and change or so. But... Um, I have a bunch of this Latin music still kind of queued up, so may as well just run through it, right? I'm impressed that you memorized the phone number. I've been here for like a year, and I still don't memorize no? it. Oh, okay. Well, not. <laughs> I'm impressed. Gas me up. See you guys at 9 Saltitos ellos junticos van
CJSW 90.9 FM, you're tuned into the circuit. You're just on the home stretch right now. What you're hearing in the background is Mazacote, their track Pueblo. They're actually out of Vancouver. Before that, we heard from Colombia's Pacific Coast with Canalan de Tempique with their track La Posada. Um, thanks again with uh, Global, Fe- Global Fest, Ken, for coming on, chatting with us, providing with a ton of different information about the festival. As uh, you heard from his mouth, August 14th will be a date of reckoning for their festival. So please uh, tune in to see how that will go and show your support in the ways you can. Um, as well as a big thank you to Mariella Pera and her co-worker Daniela for coming on earlier in the show and giving some insight onto Expo Latino. And you can also support them through their Instagram and their website as they move into a virtual format as well. We'll catch you next week. You're tuned into the circuit. This is CJSW 90.9 FM. Las injusticias que quisieron destruir el fervor de este pueblo encarcelado. El fervor de este pueblo encarcelado. Se partió